0: Your Bibles, you could turn to Hebrews chapter 4. We'll be looking, begin there anyway, and looking at several other passages. Hebrews chapter 4. Before we begin, let's pray and ask for God to be merciful with us. Our Heavenly Father, you sit in the heavens. You are heavenly. You're glorious. You're awesome. You're powerful. And there's not a thing that happens in this planet or cosmos is outside of your will. You see all things. You know all things. You ordain all that comes to pass. And Father, if you pour out your spirit. Dead man's bones come alive. If you decide to move powerfully, your kingdom comes. We ask this morning that you would help us to understand you, help us to understand prayer, help us to understand what has happened because of the work of Christ on our behalf. Father, work in the hearts and lives of your people. Stir us all that we would seek you diligently. Father, have mercy upon me, your servant. Grant me your favor and the fullness of your spirit, for we ask it in Christ. Amen. How many of us, Think that we could do so much more if all we had were more resources? Or maybe that we don't have the resources. How many of us think that we could be, do so much more, be so much more effective, if we knew someone who had a lot of resources and we're, they were in particular um, favor towards us? They liked us and they wanted to uh, help us out however we um, could be helped. I think most of us probably think, or at least are tempted to think or have thought and meditate on what we could do, what we could have, what we could actually accomplish if if we only had more resources. I think that's a fairly common temptation, a fairly common desire of all of us. We often think that what limits us, what keeps us back, what's holding us all back and whatever it is we're doing is really, it's not us at all. It's just, it's just uh, not enough money, not enough resources, stuff, because boy, could we ever rock the world, huh? If we had enough stuff, if we only had an in, an in with the movers and shakers of this world, boy, could we do something. You know, in the ancient world, this would mean that you needed access to the king. In the ancient world, people thought like this, not like us. You know, we, we think if we only had access to Bill Gates in his back pocket, boy, if he could write me a check, if somehow I could figure that one out. In the ancient world, it was like, how, would I, how could I get a hearing with the king? The king's possessed all the wealth and power. The king was the guy who had all the resources, if he could only get to the king. However, access to the king is restricted to special guests. That's part of the problem. In the ancient world, only special people, and I say ancient world because very few monarchs live today um, in the same way that they existed back in biblical times, but only special people or those with special purposes could have a hearing with the king. Just any old Joe was not actually allowed to show up at all. You could be a king's messenger from another kingdom, or you could be the king himself from another kingdom. You could be an ambassador or a family member, but anyone else would not be allowed to have access to the king. Just think of the president for a moment. Let's bring it into our contemporary day and age. How is it that you or I could ever get into contact with him or have a special hearing with him? Where, say, could it just be the two of us and we meet in the Oval Office? What are the odds of that happening? Pretty small. Very limited. It's probably not going to happen. He's simply too busy. And he's too important of a person in terms of world affairs and concerns to have take time for you or I to to talk about things. And not only that, he's very restricted and limited in power, thankfully. But so he he doesn't have limited, um, he does have limited power and he has limited resources. So you could imagine, he's not the kind of guy who has unlimited power, unlimited resources in the sense of whatever you ask. It'll be done. You know, obviously his children have special entrance because they, you know, at nighttime he tucks them into bed and he, they can say, Daddy, are we going to go to the zoo tomorrow? No, they have a special privilege because they have his ear. <laughs> they can talk to him. They can ask him of things. And it's, pretty, it's, it's in a pretty amazing advantage compared to the rest of us. We, don't even get, we can't even get contact. We might want just maybe five minutes. Forget it. It's not going to happen. Now think of God for a moment. And I've preached on this the past couple of weeks, trying to help us understand who our God is and how prayer works. But think of him for a moment. There is not a power higher. There's no higher power. There's no more exalted being in glory. Nor is there one who has more wealth and riches. So in terms of kings, the kings of this earth, Solomon was pretty impressive. Solomon actually in his day was so impressive all the other kings of the world were clamoring to get his attention. Because the king the king had so much power, so much glory, and so, much, so many riches. And this is what made him great. And not only that, he had tremendous wisdom. So everybody was clamoring for his attention. You know that in Israel, when they're setting up God's palace, God's palace, they're setting it up it, within, we all know, hopefully within the temple. We call it the temple. But you know, this was the house of God where he dwelt. This was his palace, and the king's palace was next to God's palace. And it was lined with pure gold all the way in and throughout. It was built in in, in, in intricate detail within. A glorious place. But not only that, he had this really thick curtain that wouldn't allow uh, anybody to see where his footstool was, where his glory was. It was hidden from them. They had no access to it. And only one person. So in terms of, hey, who could get in there to have a chat, to get his ear? Who could get in there to communicate with this this God we serve, this king that is so glorious and awesome that the earth and all that is in it cannot contain him? But he chooses to dwell amongst men. And he says one person, the high priest, can go in there once a year on the Day of Atonement once a year, and he goes in, and what does he do he He goes and speaks to him on behalf of Israel, his people, and they make atonement, covering for their sins, limited, limited, limited access and that was the idea he wanted to understand that you know what, even over time, this high priest it's such a it 's such a dangerous thing to do such a a crazy endeavor because he could die from the glory Uh, you know tradition has it that they would tie a rope around the guy's ankle because if he died in there certainly no one's going to go in there and get him (laughs) they just pull him out clever idea they knew that this this one they're going to seek was a glorious being powerful this is the one again think of this You know you're powerful when you could say, jump, and everyone in the world jumps. Everyone moves. You can speak and create things out of nothing. This is power like is unknown power. Now here we have to understand that access to the king is restricted to special people. Kings of this earth are even like that. Access to God was restricted to a special person in the Old Covenant. Absolutely restricted. But here's the other thing we have to understand. Not only is access restricted, but there's a distinct advantage. A distinct advantage to anybody who could actually get in there. Wouldn't you think? There's a distinct advantage to get access, to get the the king's ear. Because if you're allowed to approach the king, if you're allowed to approach him and he listens to you, that's huge. That's a big deal. Because we all know one thing. People with power, people with wealth, position, and authority, guess what they can do? They can make things happen. (laughs) They are the movers and shakers. They're the ones who can make decisions, and actually, with that decision, you watch things transpire. If you could have a thousand people, just imagine this you could have a thousand people, thousand men, that you could say at your very word, you just tell them one thing, and they will run to your service. With that one resource right there, what do you think you could accomplish? Significant amount? Yes, we all understand that gives you power. That allows you to accomplish things. So if you have the ability to speak and people listen, that, that's huge. Now, here's the thing. If you have the ability to have the ear of the person who can do that, that's huge. If that person likes you, and if that person's willing to listen to you, that's massive. You know, think of it for a moment even in Pharaoh's court. Back in the days of Joseph, we all love that. I love that story. Hopefully you love it too. It's an amazing story. Here's a guy who finds himself getting abused by family, thrown into prisons, into caves, and left to die. And he's just a nothing and nobody. And then from there, he arises. God takes and exalts him to the right hand of power. Not only that, uh, the king gives him the seat of power. Not only does he find favor with the king, the king gives him his signet ring, Gives him his staff and pretty much says, "You run the show. <laughs> you've got the power. You've got the authority. It's all yours." So, can, can you imagine Pharaoh? I mean, sorry, Joseph, for a moment. Not only does he say have influence, not only can he say, "Hey, listen, Pharaoh, this is what I think you should do. Here's my counsel to you. I think you should really prosper my people and uh, bless them richly." And the king likes the guy so much, he says, sure, what do you want? Now, that's pretty impressive, but he goes a step further, and jo- Joseph actually, he gets the kingdom. Because why? Because not only does he have access, he's got favor, right? He's got the king's ear. Now, all of this, I say all of this is in a sense of use these analogies as introductory material to where we find ourselves in Hebrews chapter 4 because I think we have to understand what is going on, set in context uh, to the whole old covenant. Here comes this new covenant promise and fulfillment because understand this, folks. Jesus gave us full access to the throne room. Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse 14. Since then, and this is, this is building this argument showing that Jesus is our great high priest. We have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, without, uh, with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Now, here's the result of it. Therefore, here's the conclusion. Let us then with confidence draw near, where? To the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, one thing we have to notice here at the very beginning, verse 14, since we have a great priest who passed through the heavens, the heavens is basically saying through the veil. He passed through the veil, the thing where the throne room of God is in the highest heavens. Jesus comes from earth. He passes through the heavens. Where is he going to? He's going to the highest heavens. He's going to the throne room. He's going to the place of power. Whenever you see the word heavens, a highest heaven where God sits, it's not some distance far off place. Jesus isn't saying, yeah, I'm going to disappear. I'm going to take off to another planet. And uh, you guys take care back there, but I'll see you in a while. And maybe when you die, you'll come visit me. When he says he's going to the heavens, he's basically saying, I'm going to command central. I'm going to possess the throne where all authority, all power, all dominion and rule has been given to me. And from there, I will govern, govern heaven and earth. So Jesus wasn't t- going away. He was passing through the veil to the highest heaven to receive full power. And it's because of this. And We see on, in Matthew's gospel, it talks about, you remember what happened to the, the curtain within the temple when Jesus is raised from the dead? It's torn in two. Why? Something radical happened. Something amazing happened. We now have access, no longer one high priest once a year. And I think, hopefully, if we understand the Old Testament context, we see this is a big deal, a big deal. Now Jesus says, he says to us, okay, listen, because this happened, does he say now, well, now choose for yourself who will be high priest amongst you? That's what's the result of this. No, listen to the results of this. In verse 16, let us then, who's us? All of us. Let all of us who are in Christ, let all of us who are in Christ with confidence. Now, why is that word important? Because in the Old Covenant, the high priest couldn't even do it with confidence, he was terrified. He knows that if anything's done wrong, if he didn't have his garbs on right, he wasn't cleaned up just right, everything, he wasn't prepared just right, he could go in there and it could be over for him. He needed to follow the instructions. Because the time had not yet come when this place, the holy place would be opened up. But he says, but now we can go with confidence. Let us then with confidence draw near to that throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need we need to understand that even in Ephesians, as Ephesians 2 puts it, that we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. In Christ, as Ephesians 1 puts it, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenlies. Folks, Jesus didn't just come to save people so that when they die, they can go to heaven. Jesus came, and one of the, one of the, The blessings of the gospel is to allow you now to do what Adam did in the garden and meet with God in the cool of the day and have his year. You have full access to the most supreme authority in the cosmos. Full access. You know, and as I was studying this this week and, and trying to wrap my head around it, it just really hit me hard. Like, wow. I guess I just took it for granted and all this language about access and not really understanding it. But it just hit me as realized, you know, if I really kind of got my head around this, wouldn't that alone change my prayer life? I've got the king's ear. Joseph had Pharaoh's ear. I've got the king of heaven and earth's ear. I have full access. He says, come. And yet we neglect such a great privilege, such an incredible blessing. Our prayer life is just nothing but some like you know, random, here we say this, here we say that. You know, what are we supposed to pray? We go through these rituals. A lot of times we get involved in ritualistic kind of prayers. That we don't even kind of have a, 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 our minds in full understanding of what's happening and the access we have to, in this throne room. And I know that I don't get it. I know that we don't get it, because I think if we fully got it, we we would pray differently. We don't pray like we ought to pray, knowing that we have the king's ear. I think sometimes we pray like we're going to some empty room, posting just requests on the wall, hoping that somehow the king will come in and grab one every now and then and say, looks like a good one, maybe I'll answer that one. No, we actually have access to the throne room, to the mercy seat, to that place. It's like, imagine the king, when the king was seated in his throne, and they say, you have a guest, someone is here. He says, who is it? Because he, it needs to have, be a special kind of person. It's your son. Oh, let him in. And the son could go up, and he could grab, kneel before the throne, and, and grab the staff, and if, in this particular place, put his hands on the mercy seat. And the king could say, what is your request, my son? This is what we have. We can boldly go with confidence. And you know what? Here's the other amazing thing. Not just boldly go with confidence. I don't think we even half get the promises connected to, with this. And this is what begins to, I guess, blow our mind. Not only do we have access, not only do we have his, hear, his ears, but listen to how, what he's promised us. Look at um, look at John, well you don't have to look there, you can just listen to me if you want. John chapter 14. John 14, 12 through 14. And I know, you know, here's the thing, I'm going to read this, but you know what our temptation is? To automatically qualify it. Oh yeah, 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 but he doesn't mean this, he doesn't mean that, and just say what he doesn't mean. And so, so qualify it, you know, it dies the death of a thousand qualifications. We walk away from that text figuring out, now we know what it doesn't mean that we miss just this incredible, wait a second, listen to the words and listen to these promises for a moment. And sure, there are qualifications, but let's not kill it with that. Jesus says, verily, 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 verily," John chapter 14, verse 12, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he also shall do also, and greater works than these he shall do. And he says, why? Why is that? Why is this going to happen? Because I go to my Father. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Really? Now, what do we want to do right away? Well, I'll tell you. you know, I'm no faith name it and claim it guy. And just, you, know, we you can't mean anything, everything. Well, let's talk about what he doesn't mean. Wait a second. Let's stop for a moment and listen to this. That he says, when you ask... Because you're in Jesus, you come. You have access to this throne room. You have the King's ear. He says, "Whatever you ask, and you ask it in my name." And that we need to, in sermons to come. We're going to figure out, find out what exactly that means. It's not just tagging on in Jesus' name at the end. But if you ask it in my name, I will do it. Really, I will do it. Is this is this just one isolated passage? No, it's not. Listen to what uh, some of the more pro- more of these promises in that same section, John chapter 15, seven through eight. He says, "If you abide in me." And my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Really? It says, by this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Or John 16, a little later, verse 23 through 24, I say to you, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. The Father wants your joy to be full. You know, here, think of this for a moment. Esther, in the book of Esther. This is kind of how it worked in the world of kings. And and think of how amazing this was. Now, think of the promises that we just looked at. We're going to look at some more. But think of it in, in context like this. In Esther 5, 1 through 3, It says, Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace, across from the king's house, while the king sat on his throne in the royal house facing the entrance to the house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand because it showed, yes, if he didn't hold, hold the scepter towards them, they'd come and execute the person. She found favor, and it showed that he found favor in her sight. She holds out the scepter towards her. Then Esther went near. She drew near. Here's the queen. She doesn't even run into his presence with confidence. She has to be invited in. Then he has to show favor towards her. Then she can draw near to him. And she touches the top of the scepter, it went on to say. And the king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. Now, this was an expression that if you said this to anybody, they had incredible favor in your sight. If you could, they would go to you and say, if you, whatever you ask up to half the kingdom, they must love you, they must trust you, and they must have full confidence in you to say something so crazy is up to half the kingdom and I will give it to you. Wow. But listen to what your king of heaven and earth has said to you. Draw near draw near to the throne of grace with confidence with more confidence than Esther had and then he tells us things like this Matthew 7 7, uh, 7 through 12 ask and it'll be given to you seek and you will find knock and it'll be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And in Luke it talks about the giving the Holy Spirit. But here it just generally says giving good things to those who ask him. We could look at other passages throughout the Gospels that say similar things. But you might be tempted to say, hey, wait a second, those are apostolic promises that are not given for the rest of the church because the, you know, that was the time of the apostles, and so we have to distinguish. Okay, let's do that. James chapter 1, 5 through 8. Here he's talking to the church. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let that man suppose that he, will receive, that he won't receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Or how about First John? 1 John, here's another epistle. John is writing to the church. 1 John chapter 3, 21 through 23. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Are You guys hearing this? You hearing how big the promise is? You hearing how, what he's saying to us? 1 John chapter 5, a little bit later, he says in verse 14 through 15, now this is the confidence that we have in him, in Jesus. Because we're in Jesus, here's our confidence. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We have the king's ears. He says to you, and we're like, oh, you know, there's too many of us. If we all go in there and talk to him, it'll just be blah, blah, blah. But he's God. That's nothing for him. He could have a gazillion children speaking to him at the same time and he'll process it all, figure it all out, and know exactly how, what's going on and be able to answer everyone. It's, he's not like us. He's told you. He's given you access and he's given you promise. He says to his children, come to me. And don't think it's too petty. Recently, I've been even doing things like, you know, Worried I'd be forgetting something and taking time to say, Father, would you help me remember? And lo and behold, <laughs> he's helps me remember. I can't believe a few days later it comes to mind. I think, well, oh, thank you, Father. I can't believe that. Nor I, would, I know I wouldn't normally remember that. I just can't. Little things. Thinking, you know, he's answering me the little things. Father, I need your help, your wisdom. And you, it's not like all of a sudden it's like, ooh, wisdom, you know. But it's like when, when the situation I needed wisdom for is over, I look back and say, wow, it was almost God was with me. He granted me wisdom every time. I can't believe every time I've come to the word of God and been troubled about little things in Scripture, I don't get this, Father. I don't understand. And I can wrestle with him throughout the week and try to figure out what this is talking about. I say, please, would you? And I get nervous sometimes because it's, the week's ticking along and I've got to get up here Sunday and say something. And father, please, I have no idea. I don't, I don't get this. This means nothing. I got nothing to say. This is stupid. I don't, it's like it's, it's closed to me. What's going on? Please help me. Please. I, I know you could just illuminate for me. Not all the time. It's not always like this. Every time he's answered me. There are a lot of times I've, I don't do that with him. And it's like it still lays in bars, close off to me closed off to me, but you know, it's, it's God. It's in the little things even in life. You know, we think it's too petty. I can't find my keys. Have no idea where they're at. I've done this little thing. So maybe I shouldn't pray about this one, but father, would you please help me find these keys? I, I can't. He helps me. He's with me. Man, he's answering me in the little petty things But there's more, there's a lot of reasons We even have to ask questions though And that's why this series is so important Because there's questions that we have Well, why doesn't he answer this big one over here We've been praying about There's reasons There's good ones too And we need, uh, in in the weeks to come We will look at why, Why does he not answer this sometimes And why does he answer this and not this and why, and why sometimes is there a delay? These are all great questions, and we're going to look at those. But let's, before we jump to the whys and whatever, please, let this sink in for a moment. Before we get into qualifying this, look at the promise. Understand your access, and look at the promises. He says to you, children, children, what do you need? What's your greatest need right now? And he says to me, come to me, and I'll hear it. I want to close with this story that um, I read this week. It's a story about um, John Wesley and uh, a trip that he was taking, coming from America, going from America back over to Europe. It's uh, recorded by Dr. Adam Clark in his autobiography, because he was with him on this trip, and he recorded that when Mr. Wesley was returning to England by ship, considerable delay was caused by contrary winds. Wesley was reading when he became aware of some confusion on board and asking what was the matter. He was informed that the wind was contrary, which basically means it's blown against us and we can't, there's no way we're going to get over there. I mean, how do you sail in this direction the winds go in this direction? You know, they, well, I can't remember what they call that, but you can do that for a long time, but it's not going to get you very far. He goes on to say, the wind's he said, then was his reply. Let us go to prayer. After Dr. Clark had prayed, Wesley broke out in fervent supplication that seemed to be more the offering of faith than of mere desire. Almighty and everlasting God, he prayed. You have sway everywhere and all things serve the purpose of your will. You hold the winds in your fists and sit upon the clouds, the flood, sorry, upon the floods of water, and you reign as king forever. Command these winds and these waves that they may obey you and take us speedily and safely to the haven where we wish to go. The power of this petition was felt by all. Wesley rose from his knees, made no remark, but took up his book and continued reading. Dr. Clark went on deck and, to his surprise, found the vessel under sail, standing on her right course, nor did she change until she was safely at anchor. On the sudden and favorable change of wind, Wesley made no remark. He so fully expected to be heard that he took it for granted that he was heard. Now here's a man who understands his God and understands the promise he made to him in prayer. And by faith goes to his heavenly father who gets him. He gets him. My God. Controls the wind. My God speaks to waves and they listen. So I'm going to ask him. I'm going to go to him because he's told me to come and he's promised me that I have his ear and he'll listen. Often I think our faith is too small to lay hold of the promises, and so we love to qualify because it excuses our our weak faith in such a great God. But may it be that as we understand our God, understand the access to him, and understand the promises that he's waiting for his children and he wants to listen, may it be that we, by faith, with confidence, go to that throne of grace and seek our Lord and look to him for all things. Amen. Amen. Father, you are so good. You're so faithful. And we know that as we come to you, you want to hear us. You've promised. You've given us full access in Christ. And it's in him that we come and make our requests known to you. And you so faithfully answer. Oh, Father, stir our hearts to pray we would seek you, that we would ask of you and see your gracious hand toward us, moving, blessing, and giving. For we ask this in your beloved Son, by the Spirit. Amen.